Pastors Larry and Tiz Huck welcome you to another Larry Huck Ministries podcast. We pray this teaching will fill you with God's wisdom, anointing, and revelation knowledge. Thank you for your prayers and faithful support. The Shema is one of the greatest prayers in all of the Bible. And I want you to see what it is. And in this, after, after we're finished with this, we're going to uh, go to Mark chapter 12. And I want you to see something that Jesus says concerning the Shema. So read with me in Deuteronomy chapter 6, starting with verse 4. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Now, stop right there. I'm going to read a little bit more. That's in Hebrew called the Shema. Shema Israel, Adonai Elohimu, Adonai Chad. This is, when I first get up in the morning, the first thing I do in the morning is pray my Modeani. You give thanks before your feet ever hit the ground. You're waking up. You're about to start your physical journey. Before you start your physical journey, you start your spiritual journey. God inhabits what? So you start your day. It's simple. You're in bed. You can barely think. You're, you're thinking about coffee and donuts. Oh, it's, I haven't had a donut in three months. Coffee and donuts. But before you do, say, Lord, I praise you for today. Isn't that a great way to start your day? And you enter in. Say, well, what am I praising him for? Well, you woke up. But you begin the blessing by praising him in advance. The next thing I pray is the Shema. Shema Israel, Adonai Rochenu, Adonai Chad. Hero Israel, the Lord, he is our God, the Lord, he is one. I asked a rabbi not long ago, maybe a year ago, and, and I said, why is saying the Shema so important? And he said, because every time you say, Hero Israel, and you and I are part of Israel. We've been grafted in. You are rededicating your covenant relationship with God. Hero Israel, I want the world to know the Lord is my God, and He's the only one. And you're rededicating your covenant. The last thing I do, I, I, I promise you, I lay my head on my pillow. The last thing I do is say the Shema. And so the Shema is not just a Hail Mary full of grace kind of thing. It's vitally important that we understand and we understand what it is we're saying. So read the rest of it with me. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words, which I command you today, shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. Now, very simply, you're getting up with your kids, they're going to school, and you say, now don't forget, 
to love God, don't forget to be proud of being born again. Don't forget to let people know you love Jesus. Don't be embarrassed to pray over your meal. You're walking with your kids and you go, man, look at that sunset. That Our father made that sunset. You're constantly talking to your kids. You're not preaching to them. You're constantly talking to your kids because I guarantee you, folks, the world is out there constantly talking to your children. Are you following what I'm saying? Are you, are you hearing what I'm saying? Be not hearers of the word only, but doers. So when you get up in the morning, when, when uh, you know, my, our, our grandkids will have heard it so many times for, you know, our, our twins, Asher and Yehuda, for 17 years when we do Shabbat and they come and we tell them to put the money in the Stedkah box. Why do we put the money in the Stedkah box? And they'll, 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 they'll you know, because we have, we've been blessed by God and because there's others who aren't as blessed as we are, and every time God's getting ready to bless us, he first gives us a chance to be a blessing. It's almost like he'll marry full of grace, but they know it because they've heard it over and over and over and over again. Amen? My, my granddaughter, uh, Aviva, just started a new school, and they, it's a Christian school, and they're very strict in... In, in what they believe, and they had to sit in the meeting, and they said, okay, how often do you go to church? Because we don't believe it, you're really a Christian if you go to church once or twice a month. You need to be dedicated. And they're able to say, well, our grandpa is the uh, pastor, so we're in there every week. <laughs> but that's what the Bible is talking about. Train your children up. And guys, look at me. There's never been more important time for mom and dad to train your children up in the ways that they should go. I need better amen than that. You You need to hear what I'm saying. You know, a lot, let me just throw this in for all the parents didn't, didn't say amen and clap how great of a preacher I am. A lot of times we look at Moses going before Pharaoh. And we think Pharaoh every time said, no, I won't let him go. But that's not true. In the middle of it, he said, okay, you can go to serve God, but leave the women and children. We are one generation. We are one generation away from America not being a Christian nation. One generation. So it's not up to myself or Pastor Jordy over in the youth or Pastor Jen and her team out there. It's up to you more than anyone else that where at, whenever you're with your children, you are talking to them about the things of God. When my granddaughter went back to school after COVID, one of the first papers they had them do, 11 years old, was on transgender. Well, if they're going to preach to our kids, you better preach to your kids because faith comes by hearing. Come on, give me an amen. I'm telling you, I'm telling you. All right, let's read, let's move on what it says. In these words, which I command you shall be in your heart. You shall teach them to, you shall teach them diligently, not casually, diligently to your children. And you shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand 
and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. These are, these are, this, have you ever seen uh, an Orthodox Jewish man? He takes the straps and wraps them around his arm, and then he takes the, the little box and he wraps it around his head. This has the Shema on there. And what he's saying is, is that in my mind and in my heart constantly will be that I will stand publicly that God is my God and there is no other God before him. Amen? So whether we do that physically and put on the tefillin or the phylacteries or whether we do that spiritually, we need to make that stand, that commitment all the time, every day. I think I, 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 I told you uh, um, this story, but it just popped into my spirit Tiz and I was writing a book on uh, seven curses that block the blessing. One of those curses is racism. Anybody that doesn't like somebody because of the color of their skin, the Bible says, call no man fool, so I won't do that, but you're an idiot. Because whether you're black or white or brown, you are made perfect in the image of God exactly the way God wants you. Amen. Who would want to go to an all white church or all black church or all brown church? Look at all the colors we have. It's like the rainbow and God is pure light and light is made up of every color. Right. Amen. And so we, I was doing this book on, on seven curses that block the blessing. And one of them is racism. You can't have the blessing of God if we're divided from each other. And don't, listen, don't let them divide us. Don't let them, don't let them teach we, we hate each other. We do not hate each other. Derek is one of my best friends in the world. And, and he's married to a white woman. And we forgive him. Don't let them divide us. We're family. White, black, brown, male, female. We are family. Don't let, we're the, the children of God. Amen. So anyway, we were coming back from Israel and we stopped in Venice because Venice is the first place where we ever have in history the word ghetto. The word ghetto. And where the word ghetto came from is when the Nazis... The fascists, the Marxists, locked Jews in a little part of Venice Island and locked them in there. And there was a metal, a steel factory, an iron factory that, that had a river, part of the river run through it. And I think the word in Italian was ghetto. And the Jews from Eastern Europe couldn't say ghetto, so they said ghetto. And so that's where the word ghetto came from. That's where the word ghetto, separation. And so we were in there, and uh, Tiz was in a, a little shop, and, and I was looking at the wall where all the bullet holes were, where they lined Jews up and shot them just because they were Jews. And so I'm looking at this, and I'm writing some notes down, and uh, all of a sudden these two Orthodox guys come out, and they said, uh, uh, are you Jewish? And I said, well, yeah, I am. They said, well, have you prayed the Tefillin today? That's what I just read. Take my word, wrap it around your heart, make the word be in your heart and on your forehead. And I said, well, I prayed today, but I didn't say the tefillin because i didn't want to offend them that i'm i am jewish but i'm a christian 
And they said, well, you come in here, come in here. And it's a little bitty square like this. So Tiz was right there. So I went in, the, they brought me in. They said, listen, you, you need to pray with us. You need, to, you need to do this with us. And I said, okay, I'll tell you what. If you can tell me why you're doing that, instead of I'm just doing it as a ritual. If you can tell me why you're doing that. And, and how many have ever seen the Orthodox, they wrap around their fingers and around your arm. And it's a very, and you got to say a prayer during the time. And it's a very, uh, very intricate uh, uh, process. You got to do it exactly right. And they said, oh, absolutely. They said, God has invited you to talk to him. So instead of just doing it real quickly while you're driving your car, you're putting your lips in my gut, you know, combing your hair, you stop and you go, I've been invited by almighty God to talk to him. And he said, and he will, and this Orthodox young man said, and God will stop making universes. He'll go, Shh, my child is speaking to me. And when you're finished, he'll answer. I go whip that puppy on me. (laughs) They put it on the tattoos and everything. That's not a ritual. That's a revelation. So we don't have to do it. You don't have to do it physically. But every morning, get up and realize, almighty God, the one who brings water out of a rock, the one who raises the dead, the one who causes blind eyes to see, the one who turns drug addicts into pastors. That God is ready to talk to me. You you, you know, have you ever talked to somebody and you know they're not listening? Have you ever done that like I'm doing right now? (laughs) I don't know where these things just pop into my mind. I don't I don't know where. You ever, been, you ever been somewhere and, and you're talking to somebody and they're looking for somebody more important to talk to? You know, that happens a lot when we go to Washington and we go to these receptions and stuff. And I like to introduce you to, oh, yeah, Pastor, good to meet you. you know, they're looking for somebody who can really, be, you know, God doesn't do that. Because when you take time to talk with him, there's nobody more important in the room than you. That's a pretty neat God we serve. Amen. Let's read the rest of it. Let's read the rest of it. You know, I don't have any notes today. I came just to show these videos to you, and Holy Spirit has a different agenda. Verse 9, you shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Now, that's what's called the mezuzah, or if you're from the United States, mezuzah. And that's taken the word of God. You've seen it when some of you were over from my birthday party a few years ago. And we dedicated our house. And Rabbi uh, Lappin dedicated our... You you take the word and you put it on your house. Why do you do that? Well, it's to remind you that you're blessed going out. And you're blessed coming in. But it's also to remind you, I must be a blessing when I go out. And I must be a blessing when I come in. So it's, it's not a ritual. It's something very spiritual. And someday, someday soon I'm going to teach several of these things and we need it. But it's actually, how many believe something happens? How many believe something happens when you lift your hands and praise God? Yeah. How many believe something happens when we lay hands on the sick? Yeah. 
Something happens when we take his word and we put it on the doorpost of our house. Something, something supernatural happens. We'll get into that more. All right. Um, where am I? Verse 10. And it shall be that when the Lord your God brings you in the land which he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you large and beautiful cities which you did not build, houses full of good things which you did not fill, hewed out wells which you did not dig, vineyards and olive trees which you did not plant when you have eaten and are full, then beware lest the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, you shall fear the Lord your God, serve him, and he shall t- and, and shall take oaths in his name. Let me just throw something in real quick. When you, uh, when you uh, large cities which you did not build, houses full of good things which you did not fill, hewed out wells which you did not dig, vineyards and olive trees. Everything in Hebrew has two sides to it, physical and the spiritual. The physical side is that whatever houses you build or vineyards or businesses you build, it's the Lord who gives you power to gain wealth. Amen. Say, now you may drive the nail or put the shovel in, but it is God who gives you power to gain wealth. But the other side of that, ancient Jewish wisdom says this is really a scripture for Gentiles right before the coming of the Messiah. When you come into a land, and what he's talking about is in the last days, the eyes of the Gentiles will be open and we will, re- we will return to Israel. In our hearts and in our minds, we will return to Israel. So when he's talking about the wells and the vineyards, he's talking about the mysteries of the things of God. Understanding Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, Sukkot. And so he says, when you do this, understand it's me who in these last days has brought you full circle back to a Jewish Jesus, a Jewish Moses, and a Jew, and, 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 What's the prophecy on that? At first, the Jews will say, why are you doing this? Why are you celebrating Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, Sukkot? But then the blessing of God will be so great on these Gentiles that are handpicked. They're handpicked at this time. That they will be so great that it will draw Jews and Gentiles back together again. Now, I want you to bring up the, uh, I want you to bring up the calendar and I want you to see where we are. Tomorrow night begins Rosh Hashanah. Let me go through this very quickly. We have been in the month of Elul. A month of Elul is blowing the shofar. Blow the trumpet in Zion, sound the alarm. Folks, you look at what's going on in the world. COVID, the vaccine, I'm, I'm getting ready to go up to Canada. I have to have these cards to show before I can get into Canada, before I can get into a hotel, before I can, I have to show these things. Now, I'm not saying the vaccine is the mark of the beast. I don't believe it's the mark of the beast, but this is a test. <laughs> and it is, it is, it's, and this is happening worldwide. When we get in the end time prophecy, we're going to talk about one world government. We're going to talk about one world economy. And we're going to talk about one world religion. In other words, we're all going to, the, the world will worship the beast. One world economy, you won't be able to buy or sell. 
without showing the government has approved you? So these things are the blowing of the shofar. We talk, in the days of Sodom and Gomorrah, and we look at what's going on, transgender and all this stuff, and all of a sudden, because we believe husband and wife, you know, the Bible says to get married and, and, and multiply, reproduce. You can't reproduce without male and female. Now, you may have a, more of a miracle God than I do, but that's the way it works, right? So this is a wake-up call. That's the reason for blowing the shofar. Now, I went out last night, or the sunset, blew the shofar and, and sound the alarm. I'm, and, you know, I told you every once in a while I get somebody in the neighborhood, they sounded back. Uh, people are waking up. You, need, you and I need to wake up. I'm not afraid because the latter rain is going to be greater than the farmer, but you need to wake up and not find yourself asleep. All right, so we've gone through 30 days of this. Tomorrow evening at sundown, we get into Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah is a shadow of the rapture. The rapture may take place tomorrow night. Now, I know that no man knows the day or the hour. I know that. No man knows the day or the hour. Do not go and tell people, Pastor Larry said the rapture is going to happen tomorrow night. I do not know that. It may happen Tuesday. That's why the Bible says no man knows the day or the hour. Rosh Hashanah is not one day. I believe, I believe that the rapture takes place just like Passover took place at the exact moment of Passover. Uh, um, Pentecost took to place when the day of Pentecost had fully come at to its full point. These, these three times a year we come before the Lord. We don't come empty-handed. They happen exactly the way God said. So I might be wrong, but I think God following the pattern that Rosh Hashanah is a shadow of the rapture. And then after seven days, and we have between rapture and second coming, we have seven years of tribulation. Now, why does God blow the shofar? Well, because he doesn't want you to miss the rapture. Because the next seven years is going to be really, 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 really horrible. It'd be like our government trying to, partner with the Taliban. But uh, then comes the second coming. If you don't live for God here, you will have to die for God here. Now, I'm not a prophet, but if you can't live for him now, I doubt if you'll die for him later. So the smart thing is live for him. Amen? Right? Okay. Then, after the second coming, then comes Sukkot, the Feast of Tabernacles, Wedding Supper of the Lamb. It it may not happen that way, but I really do believe that's the way it happens. So if the rapture doesn't take place on Rosh Hashanah tomorrow night or Thursday, if it doesn't take place, God still opens the book of your life and my life from this whole last year. And then he decides what blessing to bring on us according to the blessing that we have been to someone else. Okay? Then come Sukkot, Feast of Tabernacles, we bring a first fruit offering which takes our blessing for the next year and multiplies it in every single direction.
So this is why we blow the trumpet so we don't miss the rapture, but also because when, when the rapture takes place, you and I will stand before the judgment seat of Christ and we'll give account for what we've done or we haven't done. So if the rapture doesn't take place, then we need to make sure come tomorrow night, we've done something to make the world a better place for somebody else. I won't take time to read it. Read it when you get home. Mark chapter 12. They came to Jesus and they said, what's the greatest of all the commandments? What did Jesus say? Read it. Shema Israel. Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Had. Hear, O Israel, the Lord, he is one God. Love him with all your heart. And then he said, but the second one equals that one. How many love God? This one equals that one. Love your neighbor. So it's not enough that we sit in the comfort of our beautiful building and we say we love you god if we don't do something it's called in hebrew tikkun olam to heal a broken repair a broken world so i want to show you a few things that going in the rosh hashanah we've done can we bring up the first on let's do haiti first can we bring that up we have for 10 years uh been had an orphanage in haiti uh, when we found these kids 10 years ago, like I said, Luke and, and, and Scott and John and myself went down there to do a feeding. And um, when we were done feeding, this lady said to me that she was actually a medical doctor from, from um, Dominican Republic. And she said, Pastor, what time are you flying out? And I said, oh, we've got like, I don't know, I can't remember, five, six, seven hours. She said, can I show you something? So we went about 20 miles. It took us about two hours to get there. And we came upon this little church here and this pastor. Now, he's, he's gone on to be with the Lord now. Uh, but the earthquake took place and, and devastated the, the, I mean, it was, dev- we, we, there was a smell down there. We got it back in the Miami airport after being down there for four days and uh, we're sitting in a lounge area, and I go, man, what, what is that? And we realized it was death. Because these bodies, there had been thousands and thousands and thousands of these bodies collapsed under this. And the, remember, it, it was just, uh, what is that smell? And we, then we found out it was dead people that they couldn't recover. And so uh, she took us up here, and this little pastor, because of uh, others, he's up in the mountains, See, can you see right over Luke's shoulder there, that little tin piece of tin there? See that right over, right, Luke's, by Luke's uh, head? See it right there? See it right there over, over the guy in red and gray and white stripe? See that little piece of tin? The pastor got, rent, borrowed somebody's little truck and went down to the streets in Port-au-Prince, Haiti, and was getting these babies off the street that were sitting there dying, crying, and because not only were they starving to death, I mean, nobody, it was, the place was a disaster, but human traffickers were stealing these kids, especially the little girls, and selling them. And so this pastor went down and got these little guys and put them in his little church. I mean, the a church no bigger than this part of the platform. Whatever church group he was with found out about it and said this is not an orphanage it's a house of god made him throw the kids out and so they went and got some corrugate that kind of metal and and was leaning it up against the building it was like this high and we looked in there and there were 35 or 40 little kids in there and their skin was falling off 
Their skin was rotting. At no toilet. No, I mean, they dug, you know, like a two-foot hole. And it was so rainy and wet and mildewy. And they had a little uh, wood fire that this pastor was begging for food and stuff. And so I'm standing there and looking at this. And, uh, and uh, these kids had, there's like, like I said, 35 or 40 kids, 42 kids, something like that. They had a, 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 a part of a plastic water bottle. And they stuck sticks through it. And they had uh, plastic caps, and they stuck those, and they had uh, plastic bags that they, somebody wound together, and they shared that as a toy. And so I'm standing there, and guys, this is when we were making a stand in Jewish Roots, and, and it wasn't as popular as now. We didn't have two nickels to rub together. So I'm standing there looking at this, and I think it was June or July, because I know it was during the summer. And uh, uh, God speaks to me and he said, you got to build them something. So I asked the one man, the interpreter, I said, what would it cost us if we built a shelter for these kids? You know, and he said, probably $25,000. Well, we, $125,000 later, but I'm standing there and, and I, and I, this is what I said to myself. Remember how Moses turned aside, but he almost talked himself out of the blessing. I went there to see, and I almost talked myself out of the blessing. And I said, okay, you know, come September, when people in the church get back and our offerings are up a little bit higher, I'll, I'll raise some funds to see if we can raise $25,000. And God spoke to me and said, they'll be dead by then. I said, just do it. And so I said, Okay, I'm, listen. I'm going to raise twenty five thousand dollars, and we're going to uh, we're going to uh, build you something. Well, one hundred twenty five thousand dollars later, uh, we built and we built them a boys' side, girls' side, kitchen, toilet, shower, um, and then we. Amen. I don't know. Yeah, there's there we're digging it. I mean, we are on the side of a mountain. You can tell. You can see. So then we're digging it. I mean, these kids had never, they, we, put, we put the shower in, we put the toilets in. They're sticking their heads in the toilets. They, they've, never, they've never seen a toilet. And then we found out, we find out that uh, there's no water. That whenever they can, they bring a truck up that mountain and try to fill up the water. We're looking at it and there's this, pan underground and had mud water in it, like about that deep. And I said, how do you get water in? And they said, I said, okay, we're going to, we'll, we'll dig a well. So John got a hold of all these Christian well diggers down there. And they came up, looked at it and said, there, you, you can't get water out of a rock. That mountain is solid granite. You can't get water. And I said, we got to, we've got to. They said, well, we're not going to dig. So we hired these two guys with hammer and like chisel nails and they started digging down and i mean we're we're nickel diamond every penny and we get down 50 feet and we're out of funds um you know and one and one time at about 45 feet they they called back and said we're getting a trickle of water we're, ah, yeah, we're gonna trickle water. and then it dried up there there's there's the there's the well and so we get down like 50 feet and they go, John says, Pastor, 
we got no more. We have no more money. There's there's not that little trickle is just moisture. And and I said, keep digging. God never does anything halfway. We went two more feet and hit a river. Two more feet. Two more feet. They were literally were down. They, they, they literally were down. They would tie a rope around a tree and lower the one guy would lower him in and he got down in this hole, just away. I mean, no machinery, nothing. Right after we hit water, and we went down there after we hit water and, and they just got it open. I go, you know, we got to put a cover over this. The little babies are going. That's why there's a lot of room at the top. And so we got, and so anyway, uh, right after this, because of the earthquake, all the sewer lines and water lines broke and they merged. And so what broke out? What? Huh? Cholera broke out and people were dying everywhere. But because of this well, the whole mountainside, there are several large villages up there. They would all come and get water. And so because of trying to save 30 or 40 children's lives, we saved thousands of lives because of you. That's Tikkun Olam. Okay, what else we got? What else we got? And, and so now, 10 years later, um, go ahead and go to the next picture. Ten years later, many of our babies that were three, four, five years old are in high school. And every time one graduates and they go on to trade school, we get more children in. And uh, they're all, we, just, we just bought them all this year. There's uniforms this year for school. These guys were babies. These, these, these beautiful girls here, they were babies when we got them. And look at them now. Look at them now. Those are our kids. Those are our kids. I tried to sneak this one in my luggage and my carry-on, but I got caught at the airport and had to give her back. I mean, Jess, Pretch, go ahead. Food, if you look at our kids, a lot of them are kind of chubby because they have plenty to eat. They have plenty to eat. They have, uh, every year we got them clothes and socks and underwear, one of the biggest thrills, and I don't think we have a picture of that now. You can go to the next picture if we have another one, is we took down bags and bags of toys for them, soccer balls and, and dollies, and, and we, every, every few months we get new sheets and new pillowcases and everything. Uh, there's the toys that we're giving. Oh, man. Go ahead. Barbie doll, backpacks. Go ahead. We got, is that it? I mean, we got to move on to other ones. Look at that. Look at that. Look at that food. Look at that smile. These babies would, this is tikkun olam, folks. This is, this is true religion. What does the Bible say? True religion, widows and orphans. This is true religion. Oh, look at that. This guy, this guy clung, clung to Tiz and Katie like, oh my gosh. Look at that face. Look how chubby he is now. (laughs) All right, so another thing that we're doing is, uh, oh, there we go. There we go. There's Jen, Tiz. They were, they, they, were, they, they were fascinated by my tattoos. They had never seen anything. They're going. 
said, yeah, God just did that one day, and they appeared. <laughs> ah, that's before we built. Look at that. Okay. All right, how about, uh, do we have anything on Zimbabwe, on the kids we feed in Zimbabwe, guys? I'm, I'm, I've gone to, I preached much longer than I meant to. Okay, so we, we work with some friends of ours. We've been working with them for about 25 years over in Zimbabwe, wonderful Christian people. We started with them, keep that picture on there. We started with them uh, about 25 years ago when Zimbabwe was going through a 12-year drought. So we went over there and we started di- drilling wells and building little, not hospitals, but little health care centers, yeah, where they could go. And, and you know, it, it really opens your eyes. We were, we were there in Zimbabwe, and uh, we, we were with the kids, and there'd been a drought. And so no water or anything. So not only water, but we were doing a, a, a feeding program. And, and, you know, it's very nutritious, but not something you and I would want to eat. But we'd bring it in by the semi-full. And we were sitting with them. And uh, they had this, it's called mealy mill on their plates. And they had all these locusts, dead locusts on there. And I said, what? What is, th- what is that? And they said, oh, we've been really blessed. A swarm of locusts came through. And so they take them and, and fry them and, and cook them. And, uh, and we, gave, we brought in like three suitcases full of, uh, um, what are those? Skittles. And so we, put, we gave all the kids Skittles. They, they felt, after they tasted those, they, they felt there was a fourth person in the Trinity. So we've been working with them for years and years. Zimbabwe really has gone through horrible situations with their people. And some of our friends in the church there have actually been killed and and their land stolen. But these folks, these good friends of ours, have stayed there. So they contacted us a few years ago. Last time we were there, um, they said they said they had a, there was an abandoned building near their home, and about three o'clock every afternoon, all these children would come out of the jungle. By I mean babies walking babies in the jungle. I mean I'm talking about lions and tigers and bears. Oh my, really? And I said, what? Where are they coming? They said this is the only place they can get food. This is the only place to get food. I said well, we got to do something. So we started working with them and the school system there. And now we do 50,000, you do 50,000 meals a month to these children. 50,000 meals a month to these children. And what's happened now is not only do the kids get to eat, but let's say a family has three or four children because we you have stepped up all of their kids. The only place they get, are going to get a meal, maybe for days and days, is at school. They get one in the morning, one in the afternoon. And now they can send all their kids because the, the, the six and seven-year-olds don't have to be out begging or working on the street or whatever. And so we started working with the schools. And, of course, they were cooking on just a, 
a, a fire on the ground. So in each school, we've, as we uh, do, we build kitchens there. And they, each kid gets, look how healthy they are, and clothing and backpacks and all these other things. And so they always, listen, I, honest, before the Lord, they always put, you know, our name on it and everything. I said, don't, we don't want our name on anything. We, we, we want glory from God, but they always do. And NBC means New Beginnings Christian Church, not broadcasting. And we built some, look, we, we actually, uh, when we have more than enough, we built some playgrounds for them so the kids can play with something besides a cobra. <laughs> I mean, it's, you, you, you got to go, go there. It's like, are you kidding me? People get eaten by lions over there. And so, uh, what, is, is that it? for those uh okay so um so we're doing 50,000 meals a month it keeps growing I don't know where we're at now and uh you know what a neat thing that's that's tikkun olam these kids eat and these parents eat because of you that's that's why tomorrow night your name's going to be written amen uh let me let's show the uh we just this just happened a couple days ago how about the holocaust uh, the one Holocaust center in, uh, I think it's in Haifa, the one, I think this one's in Haifa where um, uh, because of COVID, obviously the Holocaust survivors are very, very elderly and very, very vulnerable. And so um, we just uh, uh, supplied for the high holidays, Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. Uh, we're supplying food every day for Holocaust survivors in Israel uh, do you have the one with the package, guys? Uh, the 750 boxes for the high holidays. Uh, they're saying no. Okay, you're fired. <laughs> so that's not it. Keep that up there. So we just there, there is there is uh, we just gave out. You just gave out for Holocaust survivors for their meals for Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, and Sukkot. We put 750 boxes together. Uh, with their Shabbat candles, with their food and everything. We, that just happened last week. All right, so th- this is one of the greatest Bible prophecies in the world. The Bible says this will be a banner for the world to see, that Israel would return, the Jews would return to Israel from the four corners of the world. So it's called in Hebrew, it's called Aliyah, coming up. And uh, we have been partnering for many years this is this gentleman here is with the Israeli government, Sam Grunwerg. Every penny we give to Israel does not go for administration. It goes for these projects. And so we've been doing around a million, around a million, million and a half every year for the last several years to bring Jewish people back to the nation of Israel. This plane just landed a couple days ago from Kazakhstan, uh, we ended up bringing, we were just going to bring young people over, but because things are so in turmoil over in that part of the world, they brought young families and things. And so this plane just landed. Every one of these young people you paid for to not only land in Israel, but for the next six months or a year, they'll be housed, they'll learn the language, they'll be fed, they'll be trained to get a job. Uh, and this says, Keren Hezot, and the Jewish 
uh, Agency for Israel, thank New Beginnings Church and Larry Huck Ministries for supporting the Aliyah flight from Kazakhstan. And so literally, little did we know, as I said, little did we know that this was going to happen over there in Afghanistan with Russia above them, Afghanistan below, ISIS rising up, capturing young people, especially young girls. It's a horrible, horrible situation. God says, when you save one life, I see it as if you saved the whole world. And so tomorrow night, watch for your blessing. All right, so do we have any other pictures of that? What else do we have? Uh, people getting off, uh, go ahead, uh, young people. See, I, I, and let me tell you something. When they said Kazakhstan, I was expecting Bedouins. These are normal young people, just like our teenagers. Just, you go in our, our, our room, they're, they're just like that. Um, there's uh, Sam and Shmulik. Okay, go ahead. Uh, young families getting off. What? The future of Israel is right. Okay. Miracle of God, miracle of God. Let me tell you, as we're watching this, many of you hear me say ancient Jewish wisdom. A lot of that ancient Jewish wisdom comes from a great, great Bible scholar whose name was Rabbi Schneerson. Rabbi Schneerson has passed away, uh, gone to heaven. Rabbi Schneerson's father, if you've ever heard of Chabad, Rabbi Schneerson's father-in-law was a, a rabbi, a leading rabbi in, in the Soviet Union. And because of persecution, they ran him out of the Soviet Union. And this town is, he founded this town in Kazakhstan. And so here he's been feeding us for a lot of years. And now we're passing it on and feeding him, uh, his family. So it's pretty neat. Is that all we have, guys? Because uh, what, what do you have? One more thing. Okay. To my dear friends, Pastor Larry, and all of you at New Beginnings Church, I'm Sam Grunwerg, World Chairman of Karen Ayesod, one of Israel's national institutions, and I'm so excited to share these moments with you. I'm here on the tarmac at Ben Gurion Airport in Israel, and in just a few minutes, I'm going to receive a plane full of over 100 new Olim, new immigrants that are moving to Israel from Kazakhstan and they're going to fulfill their own personal dreams and then they're going to fulfill the dreams of generations and really thousands of years of yearning to return to Zion. We've worked together with your generous help for over a year to make this happen and finally this dream is coming true. We are truly witnessing the fulfillment of Bible prophecy and you know Kazakhstan is a Muslim country that Israel has warm relations with. And it's so heartwarming and inspiring to see that together with your work and with your support, that Karen Ayesod, the government of Israel, the Ministry of Aliyah, the Jewish Agency for Israel, and the World Zionist Organization, that all of us are able to work together to make this happen, to fulfill Bible prophecy, and to bring these 109 or 110 youngsters, many of them, our young students, some of them still in high school, that are coming to immigrate to Israel, make Aliyah ahead of their families who are going to join at a later time. And they are truly, truly fulfilling the word of the Bible and of prophecy. So thank you so much on behalf of myself, the government of Israel, for all of Karen Ayesod, 
Thank you, Pastor Larry. Thank you, New Beginnings Church. And thank all of you. God bless you. Did they pass out the uh, honey and apples? Okay, the tradition on Rosh Hashanah is to take a piece of an apple and dip it into the honey. And that symbolizes the blessing of God in every area of your life for the whole rest of the year. Now, the apple represents your harvest. The honey represents the sweetness of your harvest. And as I said last week, Prophet Owen's favorite scripture is there's wealth that comes from the Lord and brings no sorrow with it. There's a saying, Shana Tova. May this next year be sweet and may it be plenteous in everything good in your life. As everybody's still pulling that out, the apple in ancient Jewish wisdom also represents the Garden of Eden. And if you remember, when God removed Adam and Eve from the garden, when God removed Adam and Eve from the garden, he says he cursed the ground with thorns and thistles, right? But he would put an angel at the gate of the garden with a flaming sword. Christianity always says that's to keep us out of the garden. Read what it says. It says he put an angel with a flaming sword to show us the way back. The the, The apple also represents the Torah, the Bible. And so in the last days, the eyes of the Gentiles would be open and they would begin to understand their Jewish roots. Jesus was fully Jewish, never stopped being Jewish. He was born Jewish, grew up Jewish, taught Jewish, died Jewish, resurrected Jewish. And in the last days, God will go amongst the Gentiles and he'll pick people. If you're here, you're watching, you didn't choose it. That's why we can't get caught up in pride. He chose us. That's what it says. No no Gentile will choose. I I decide I'm going to follow. And we hear people all the time for years and years, there was something drawing me. Something drew me. Something drew me to your television. Something drew me to your stream. Something drew me to your church. That's the Holy Spirit saying, I'm handpicking you to be a blessing I'm handpicking you to bless so all the world will call you blessed. So this next year, we may be around thorn bushes, but we've drawn close to the fire. And the anointing says to us, greater is he that's in us than anything that can come against us. We all receive Jesus as the Lord and Savior. We all decide to be a blessing. If you haven't been a blessing, if you want to, you, you heard what Sam said, the, the kids are coming in before their family comes in. Can I reveal something to you? Can I reveal something to you? Bible says, don't worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear, where you're going to sleep. 
but seek ye first the kingdom, his righteousness, acts of kindness. I was talking to Sam a couple days ago on the phone, and I said, Sam, I need help. He said, what, Pastor, anything, what do you need? I said, every January and February, we plant trees, vineyards. You know, we plant those olive trees in, in the land of the prophet Amos because those are the olive trees that God said would bloom again and bring the anointing oil for the Messiah. And he said, yeah, I know. It's, it, they're there because of you guys. I said, it's Shemitah. This is a Shemitah year. You can't plant. They don't plant. I said, I got to have something to do for January and February. And he said, I said, God's laying in my heart and Pastor Scott's heart and Tiz's heart, something with kids. There's got to be something with kids in Israel. I, I, I just love helping kids. And he said, Pastor, can I tell you something? Remember Mr. Herzog that you met? You had breakfast with you there? And I said, yeah, he's one of the most famous families in Israel. He's now the president of Israel. Last year, he started this thing. They're shooting hundreds and hundreds of rockets into this area in Israel. And we say, you know, the Iron Dome shot them down. There's no casualties. But we're finding out. Like we, we brought a, like a, like a little circus down to this area for the kids because they were so traumatized. And we brought out balloons and let balloons go. And they started peeing themselves. Because balloons to them have bombs to them. Balloons to them have firebombs to them. And so we started realizing it's not that there are no casualties. These kids have, what do they call it when a soldier comes home? What is it? Post? These kids have it. And so Mr. Horzog said, we got to, these kids, I mean, they, wet, they wet their bed and they, they're just, they're terrified. They're five, six years old. What do they know? Seven years old. So they said he just started a camp to bring them in, have, let them have fun stuff, but constantly. I said, we're going to be a part of that. Amen. Don't you think we ought to be a part of that? Amen. Save these kids, save these babies. And so we may not be able to plant trees, but we're going to plant joy Amen. into these kids. So we'll let you know more about that. If you haven't been a part of any of this, let me encourage you. Before you leave the building or you're watching by stream, get in. You saw that we're going to bring the parents over. We had to get the kids over. The kids are the, the, kids are the ones that they come after to bring into the ISIS or to bring into the Russian army. So we had to get the kids first. And then we're going to bring the parents and grandparents in with them. This is going to be a good year. There may be thorns out there, but we're standing on holy ground. Amen. So take your honey. You take your apple. Your apple means you're going to have a great harvest. Honey means a great harvest of joy. In the name of Yeshua HaMashiach. Amen. Go ahead. None for me. It's okay. It's okay. Can I say to all of you that? If, if the rapture takes place tomorrow, I'll meet you in line, okay? We'll be, stand, we'll be standing in line together. If not, can I say to you before he does, well done. Thank you all for being so kind and generous and gracious to do what you've done. And our best is yet to come. Shana Tovah.
next year be a great year. Give the Lord a clap offering. Amen.